After a sluggish start without two starters in the lineup, Jimmy Butler would have at his very best, notching yet another triple-double to help the Heat win their third straight game, a 113-98 blowout over the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll break it all down for you right here next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Thursday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat related. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me live from FDX Arena, as you can probably tell, is my co-host Wes Goldberg. This episode of Locked on Heat is proudly brought to you by McDonald's. Serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends over at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. No Bam Adebayo or Kyle Lowry in the lineup tonight. It was the first night of a back-to-back set. We'll talk a little bit about their decision to get some rest today before facing the Washington Wizards on Thursday night. But Miami looks sluggish. Obviously, they would be without two starters in the lineup. The start of the game was a really rough one for them, shooting just 30% and scoring only 21 points in the first quarter while giving up 55% shooting to the Pelicans, who were scorching hot from three-point range, going 6 of 13 on their way to 34 points in the first quarter alone. But Miami eventually found their rhythm and held the Pelicans to just 4 of 22 on three-pointers throughout their next three quarters, and Jimmy Butler was absolutely the key. 21 points in the first half for Jimmy to keep Miami in the game, finishing up the night with a triple-double, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Wes, you were there at the game. Jimmy was electric. He was. And, you know, uh, part the part of his game that has impressed me so much this season has just been how aggressive and just mean he has been when he gets a smaller <laughs> player switched onto him. And New Orleans plays that switching style. That is what they Willie Green wants to make their identity. They are very, very dedicated to doing that. Obviously, the Pelicans stink this year. But I think the whole point for them is to uh, try to instill some of those habits and try to figure out a system, figure out an identity. And so they weren't going to stop switching tonight. If they wanted, I think if the Pelicans really tried to win, wanted to really win this game, maybe they stopped switching things um, so much. I don't know that it would have worked. I think they're just, right. I think Jimmy Butler and the Heat, even without Kyle Lowry and without Bam, are just too talented. But it was just surprising. Like that, that's to me why I wasn't too concerned early on is because you just saw. You saw this advantage sort of playing out. Miami was missing shots. They were a little disorganized at first without Lowry, without Bam. But once they got their feet under them and sort of figured out what it is that they wanted to do, they started feeding Jimmy Butler in the post, getting those switches whenever they wanted them. And then Jimmy Butler just went to work. You mentioned the 31 points, 10 assists. He had 10 rebounds. I mean, it. him in the post started everything for Miami's offense. It finally got out of the mud in the second half. Yeah, look, the Pelicans had a large lead of up to 15 points at one point. Yeah. As Spo has said on a number of occasions, you can't you know, ever overlook any kind of lead. No lead is safe in this NBA because you can always work your way back with a three-point shot. And Miami certainly did that. They caught fire from three-point range. They got a big boost off their bench. Tyler Hero finally got it going. We'll talk about him a little later on in the segment. But Jimmy, as aggressive as you pointed out he was, just doing the dirty work, getting to the line, 
getting calls all the time without having to you know badger the refs in order to get those calls in his favor. It's just being more physical, more dominant, using his explosiveness, his size and speed, that combination that's so good. Why he is a legitimate MVP candidate to control the pace of the game and to keep Miami holding water. It was just they were treading water through most of the first half. A lead that was up to 15, like I mentioned, down to just five at halftime. But it was just mm-hmm. enough. They started slowly climbing their way back there. Yeah, look, in, on a night when you have no Larry and no Bam, you need both of your top two guys to step up. You need Jimmy Butler. You need Tyler Hero to step up. And, look, I tweeted this in the middle of the game, David, but, you know, without those guys, you have two shot creators, two yep. guys who can actually make stuff happen. And one of them started out 0 for 6, and that was Tyler Hero. After that 0 for 6 start, he ended up figuring out his rhythm. Eric Spolstra after the game said that just stuff wasn't working, like the execution on offense wasn't right. They just – they were just not – people were just not on the same page. They got right. on the same page. And then as soon as they did, Tyler Hero took off, right? Uh, Spolster uses the word ignitable in regards to Hero all the time. Well, he he caught fire. He went 5 for 5 after going 0 for 6. He ends up finishing the game 7 for 19, 19 points in the game. Um, hit that crazy beyond the, the half-court lob thing. Uh, it was a pass to Jimmy Butler. It was meant to be a pass to Jimmy Butler. Ends up going through. It was just like one of those kinds of nights for, for Tyler Hero when he was – and he hit that stretch in that third quarter, and he was a big reason why Miami outscored New Orleans 34-18 to 18 in that third quarter. And, and basically, that was a stretch that won the game, right? That was the turning point. Yep. When when Hero got going and Jimmy Butler was just doing his thing throughout the night, um, It just even without top, two of their top four players, Miami was still more talented than New Orleans. Absolutely, yeah. Two points for Tyler in the first half. I think with about yeah. four and a half or so minutes left in that game, in the first half, excuse me, he finally got his first mid-range bucket to fall. And then six of 12 in the second half, as you pointed out, were 17 points. Just a great night for him. Just a, the ability to kind of catch fire. We've seen that from Tyler before. We've seen much more consistent uh, scoring from him throughout, the, whether he's a starter or whether he's coming off the bench. He mentioned today that he wasn't quite ready to go. I'm not sure how much I buy that. I think New Orleans actually did a pretty good job of limiting his looks, harassing him, kind of shading him and shadowing him at every opportunity to deny him the ball, to make things uncomfortable. Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker had a really yeah. nice game, uh, picked his pocket on a couple of straight possessions. Herb Jones, I think, also had a couple of great steals against uh, Tyler, but Tyler figured it out. I mean, this is the kind of maturity that we've been talking about all season. And look, yeah. you can dis- you can dismiss the win that it's a bad Pelicans team, but at the same time, we've talked about this consistently all season long. This is a team that understands what's at stake on every game. They, they don't play down to their opponents. They started off sluggishly. Again, as you would expect, P.J. Tucker, who we haven't even spoken about, picked up two fouls within a minute of the game. Yeah. So they were completely discombobulated, but eventually they found their identity thanks to Jimmy, thanks to Tyler, and they were able to pull away. By that time the third quarter was over, it was pretty clear that Miami was cruising on their way to a victory. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a tough game. I don't care if it's New Orleans or not. Uh, You're missing two of your best players. You're coming back from a really grueling, taxing five-game West Coast swing, and like your homecoming present is, hey, back-to-back games at your home floor. And then, by the way, then you got to hit the road again for four games or whatever it is. Like, it, this has been such a, a tough start to the schedule for the Heat. They have the fifth hardest schedule in the league, I think, right now, and they're really kind of in the thick of it. It starts to ease up a little bit later down the line, but we're, you're still not out of it yet if you're the Heat. And uh, to get a win like this when you're tired – I thought they were really tired. I thought they looked just completely just exhausted in that first quarter. And you get – um, you get Tyler Hero igniting. You also get Udonis Haslam 
giving them that emotional bump that I think that this team needed. I know we're going to talk about that in the next segment, but all of those things sort of crescendoed in that third period, and that was yeah. when the Heat were able to take over and build enough of a cushion where uh, they ended up having winning pretty comfortably by the end. Yeah, yeah. And look, Wes, this is for you. That first game back after a long road trip, always a trap game. Players are just discombobulated. They're, they're thrown off. Listen, Ron Rostein, my friend, Ron Rostein, confirmed it at halftime. So you know what? I think it's true. But anyway, we'll get into some player grades in the next segment before answering some of your listener questions. But first, a reminder that we are back and better than ever. That's right. I'm talking about Bet Online, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of these amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON. All right, boys and girls, it is time for player grades. Unfortunately, I didn't bring my uh, glasses or my bow tie with me, David. But uh, fortunately, they have just dimmed the lights here at FTX Arena. So at least we got that going for us. Are you going to get kicked <laughs> out? Are, are you in danger there? There is a chance, right? Like the Jonathan Zaslow postgame show already wrapped up. Uh, so look, they start. They haven't started picking up the court yet. I guess they won't because it's the first time I've back-to-back. So I don't know. <laughs> if I get thrown out by security here, I at least have video footage. Um, let's get to the player grades. The first one we got to talk about is Udonis Haslam. We, te- we teased it at the, the last segment. Um, look, I could go through the stat line, but honestly, David, I don't. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. It was the it was that emotional uh, bump that that juice that he gives them. The captain when he comes in and he draws that charge and he gets that block and he makes that layup and all that and and again that block that that leads to a Gabe Vincent three, and it just uh, sets the entire Heat bench on fire. I mean, that was what this team needed. I I, I said that they looked tired in the beginning of the game, and who knew it would be the 41-year-old guy who was (laughs) twice the age of Tyler Hero um, coming in and giving them that emotional spark, that energy spark that they so desperately needed. That's everything. That's everything you want from Udonis Haslam. What I found interesting, David, was that they went to him Early in that third quarter, they went. He was the first reserve off the bench for right. them. That's what Eric Spolstra knew that his team needed in that moment. They were prepared mm-hmm. to use Udonis Haslam in those situational moments. We've seen Haslam play more this season than he did last season. Last year, he basically got into a fight with Dwight Howard. That was it. He's actually been – I helpful is even a strong word. But tonight, he was super helpful, David. So I'm giving Udonis Haslam an A++++. I think that might be a little bit on the low side, to be honest with you. He deserves an A++++. Plus, in my opinion, he was that good. And look, they went with Omer Yurtseven. They went with Casey Opala. Both of them did not live up to the responsibility of trying to limit either Jackson Hayes or Jonas Valanciunas in particular. We saw him be very, very physical, just reaching over players, using his physicality and size to pull down rebounds, controlling the pace of the first half. Udonis said, you know what? I ain't playing this shit. I know how to box him out. I've had to take down Roy Hibbert, and we've seen him do that. He can handle a punk like Valanciunas 
like his, you know, like he's eating his breakfast and, and it worked. It worked. It was absolutely the right yeah. move for Spolster. Really great coaching from him. Uh, and Udonis spoke about his increased role. That's something that he knew going into the season that he was going to be able to take on more of a playing role because he talked about it with Coach Riley. He actually uh, talked about that in his postgame presser. So maybe we'll see more Udonis minutes. I'm okay with it. I know a lot I of people we were will. concerned. Yeah, I, I think it belongs. Look, it's situational. It has to be in the right yes. place against the right opponent. But UD always ready. Like he always says, like everybody attributes this to him. I think it, I don't know who if it came from UD first or Spolstra, but it, what is it? Be ready or stay ready so that you don't have to get ready or something along those yeah. lines. And maybe a paraphrasing there, but he's always ready and he always provides a spark today, a little bit more impactful than most. Uh, but listen, uh, on to another player who I think well, really before, stood out. Before Dwayne. we move on completely from Haslam, just sure. I think if we kind of zoom out here and kind of go larger trend. I think we're going to see more Udonis Haslam this year because I, what, what, in Eric Spolstra's press conference after the game, he said something really interesting. He said that um, they – like you mentioned that conversation that he and Pat Riley had with Udonis Haslam. But the reason right. I think they wanted to do it was also because Udonis Haslam stays ready. I think there is a shortage of big men on this roster, something we talked sure. about ben, with Ben Gulliver about last uh, – on yesterday's episode. But um, that – this is a veteran group that more kind of fits with what Udonis Haslam can provide that Udonis Haslam sort of speaks the same language as Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo now in this, at this stage of his career. I mean, this is PJ Tucker, obviously like this is a veteran group and I think Haslam is sort of right at home with yeah. this team. And you can, and, and you can kind of hear that in the way that he was talking about it too. Look, he stays ready. He has the one-on-ones at the top level here at FTX arena with Jimmy Butler. He's helping guys behind the scenes as he always has, but um, if you can get like a, a couple of minutes here and there throughout the season, I'm not saying Udonis Haslam should be the third big off the bench, but there are situations where he's called for, and tonight was one of them. Listen, you know, I know Iguodala is obviously much younger, but to draw a parallel, he's going over there yeah. to Golden State now, a team where he's comfortable and finding that same kind of role. Obviously, much more playing time than Udonis at this stage in their career, but to still be a veteran that has that kind of weight on and off the court, I think we're starting to see that a championship team needs those kinds of presence they have that right now when Udonis has them and you're absolutely right that he fits better uh, I'll move on a little bit to talk about another big man on this roster Dwayne Dedman I'm giving him a B minus he didn't have a great game again started off struggling trying to handle what Valanciunas was doing because Valanciunas is just a bigger body a slightly immovable object out there and Dedman didn't know quite how to handle it he picked up a couple of easy fouls in the first half in particular but credit to him, at least I saw him kind of adjust his playing style, moving his feet a little bit better, knowing exactly when to kind of lean in with the elbow, pushing balance units out of his comfort spots, and then sagging off and just giving him enough room where he knew he was either going to take a, a bad shot or a rush shot or maybe even give up the pass and then force a turnover. It worked. I think that was a really crucial adjustment. And credit to Deadman, a veteran who understands that maybe he's not the strongest or most physical center, but he's smart yeah. enough to know exactly how to play different big men out in the league. So that's something that's missing from this roster, aside from perhaps Udonis, who may not be able to do it as consistently at this point. Yeah, I mean, the foul problem with Dwayne Dedman is something that kind of comes with Dwayne Dedman, right? That's sure. why he was almost out of the league, is he can't kind of keep his hands to himself sometimes. Picked up four fouls overall throughout the game, but you look at his stat line at the end. He had four offensive rebounds uh, of his eight rebounds. Four of them were on offensive rebounds. Um, yeah. Miami as a team had 10 offensive rebounds, only had nine second chance points compared to uh, New Orleans at 22 second chance points. Um, and, and you know, the, the rebounding battle overall is pretty even, but uh, offensive rebounds, the Heat, they kind of live with those. They yeah. need those. 
they're, they're trying for those this year as opposed to last year. And Dwayne Dedman basically got half of them for Miami, and that's what's important. Um, moving on to our last player here. We got a couple. We got a minute here to talk about it. P.J. Tucker. I'm giving him a, a B plus. And, again, we could do the stat line stuff with him again. 13 points, uh, four rebounds, a couple of assists. Did pick up five fouls. You mentioned the two really in the first 60 seconds that kind of threw Miami's rotation off kilter. But yeah. the one thing I do want to talk about with P.J. Tucker is you're seeing his game expand in Miami in a way that it wasn't in Milwaukee. And so much of what the the narrative behind P.J. Tucker coming uh, coming into that offseason and being and signing with Miami is that, hey, he's a defensive guy, but he's basically right. zero on offense. He has not been just a zero on offense this season for the Heat. He's hitting the corner threes. He's doing things with all the screens and stuff like that that we know him to do. But there was, right. he, there's occasions where he's bringing the ball up on a night when Kyle yep. Lowry wasn't in the mix. Um, Spo talked about his versatility too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's hitting, he's hitting floaters. He's attacking closeouts on the regular. He's making passes out of the post. He's, he's, he's active as a role man on the center of the floor. Right. He's look. He's not going to go out there and score twenty, maybe at uh, once all season long. But he's doing enough for you. I think there's like uh, to make another Warriors comparison. You made the Haslam to Andre Iguodala, like. This is kind of what the Warriors are doing with Draymond Green this year. They're saying, hey, we know mm-hmm. what you could do defensively. We know how you great are, you are, but we need to get 10 points from you every game. And Miami is is pretty regular, regularly getting, you know, 8, 10, 12, 13 points from P.J. Tucker. Yeah. No, his role has absolutely evolved. We thought we would be getting a lesser version of the player that we've seen. And, I mean, maybe you're, again, not going to get that kind of consistent production out of him. But he's phenomenal. All the players spoke about him in their post-game press or just the kind of impact. UD, I love playing with him. What is was the quote? He said, I play with him every day and twice on Sundays. Oh, he's yeah. a guy who fits he fits heat culture so well. And he's just kind of stepped up his game a little bit. I don't know how consistent it could be. I don't think it really matters. It's just an occasional thing, and that's more than enough. So long as everybody else understands their role, PJ fits this team perfectly, and he's been such a hugely impactful player. But we'll talk a little bit more about some other players that had an impact in the next segment, and we'll answer some of your listener questions as well. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. And big news, we are planning our first ever watch party. That's right. A tentative date is set for next Tuesday versus the Detroit Pistons. Official details will be provided soon, but there'll be drinks, there'll be basketball, and there'll be good times for sure. All we need is you. So please make sure to attend once you find out those details. But let's move on to some quick listener questions here as we wrap up our third segment. This first one comes in from Steven, who asks, can Tyler Hero win the sixth man of the year and most improved player in the same year? Wes, what do you think? No, uh, you just don't see that. I think the only time you see people like kind of get both awards is MVP and defensive player of the year. Right. You're just not it's just not going to happen. And plus, there's really great candidates for most improved. You look at Bridges in Charlotte, you can give it to John Morant. Uh, yeah. In Memphis, there's a lot of guys who are really improved. Tyler Hero, um, because he's coming off the bench for most of the season, we'll see. By the way, I mean, if he keeps starting, he might not even be eligible. I think he will be. I don't mean to put, you know, to, to raise alarms on that too soon. But um, I think the Sixth Man of the Year award is his to lose. But you just don't see guys get both. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that's a great point. 
Uh, you know what? And that's okay. It, it doesn't take away any of the shine from what Tyler's out no. there doing. I know that we, as a collective, as media or as fans of this team, have seen what Tyler's able to do this season. And we say, look, he took this dramatic leap. I don't think other people nationally view it as much. Again, to reference our, inter- our interview with Ben Golver, our conversation with Ben yesterday's episode, he talked about the, the preseason prediction for him was that Tyler Hero would win six men of the year. I yeah. think that narrative is going to be pretty consistent. Tyler certainly lived up to that kind of building and expectation. So the fact that he's in that kind of consideration as a potential even all-star is a great improvement over where he was last year. And I think that's fine. So let's not he'd consider... Rather, he'd rather yeah. get the all-star than most improved. I don't think players care that much about most improved anyway. They'd rather have six man of the year. They'd rather have like of the year type of award. They want they don't want to be like, hey, you weren't great last year. Now you are. Every player is like, oh, I was always this great. I just needed the opportunity. But, right. Uh, yeah. Rather right, get the right. all-star here for Tyler. For sure. This next one comes in from Josh. He writes in KZ with the team low, meaning KZ Opala, of course, a plus minus of minus 16. Uh, That was glaringly noticeable. Is there any hope left for him or should Miami (laughs) let the project go? Side note, UD played less than five less minutes and was a plus 12. Yes, Josh, we're aware. Obviously, we just talked about UD. Look, I, I I know we've talked about KZ a lot. I know there's expectations for him. There's that physical tools of potential. But he gets on the floor. He just doesn't always seem to know what to do. He had some good minutes in the last game and a win over Oklahoma City. He came off the bench pretty early on after P.J. picked up those quick fouls. Yeah, first guy off the bench. Yep. He didn't have it tonight. He did not have it no. tonight. And there was just moments there where he's just not quite sure what to do. A little hesitant taking that shot. And then when he did take the shot, it was a, he just wasn't connecting from yeah. long range or short range. This seems like a situation because of those tools, because of the, the training he's already received, either in Sioux Falls or Miami, it's probably best served for him to go elsewhere where he probably just needs a change of scenery. Somewhat of a cliche, but it absolutely has been proven time and time again in the NBA West. What do you think? First of all, he's got no business taking four three-pointers in a game. He was 0 for 4 overall. He was over, and all those shots were from beyond the arc. There's no reason for Casey Akpala to be taking four three-pointers in a game. That's why he was minus 16, is because you get those long rebounds, and New Orleans leaks out into transition, and they get easy points. Like you said, he was minus 16. The Pelicans' biggest lead was 15 tonight, and that was all in the first half when Casey was getting all of his minutes. I'm not saying that the heat hole was caused by Casey Akpala, but he wasn't helping. Right. It's not... Too late for him. I actually really like his tools. I liked him coming out of Stanford a lot. I was stoked when Miami drafted him in the second round. I thought it was going to be a steal there. But I think at this point in his career, his best case scenario might be Derek Jones Jr., like Mm. that kind of player. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're playing him at the five because they've got nobody else, all these things. I'm not sure it's ready to cut bait with with KZ. They're asking him to do too much too early. They're in in, in too many minutes. I mean, Mm -hmm. to me... The KZ struggles reflect not his development, and it's been a slow development. And he probably does need to spend more time in Sioux Falls. Yes. But it reflects to me the problem with this roster and that they need another guy in that front court. I know Markeith Morris is still out with the whiplash injury. I know yeah. that Udonis Haslam has given you seven, eight minutes once a week or whatever it's going to be. But you need one more guy. You just need one more guy in that front court because too often – we see them relying on KZ, relying on UD, relying on these guys. They just need another body. They can't be in this situation late in the season. 
Yeah. And look, you're not going to get much for him for all the people that are willing to include him in a trade package or something like that. His salary is so negligible. You're not going to get any kind of player in value. We've no, talked no. about it before. If they're looking to move him, it would probably be for one of those second round picks that is unlikely to ever convey or anything like that. Yeah. And I don't know that Miami wants to necessarily make that kind of a sacrifice or give up a potential quote unquote asset in Opala for nothing. You know, they gave up assets in if order they- to get him. Yeah, go ahead. If they if the, no if they add somebody on the buyout market, which is probably the only way they're going to do it at this point, a free agent right. type of acquisition, they still have that 15th roster spot available. So you don't even need to cut bait Lucchese. You can send right. the lights are just up and down here. Um, <laughs> you can you can send then you can afford to send Lucchese to Sioux Falls. The reason they're not doing it now is because they have got no other bodies, right? Because the mm-hmm. line of defense between Dwayne Dedman and Bam Adebayo, like the only other reserve big you have, as long as Marquis Morris is still injured, is Udonis Haslam. So you need him on your regular 15-man roster in Miami, if you can get another guy on the buyout market, you can then afford to send him to Sioux Falls and then get him back into the developmental curve that he needs to be on. Oh, you're back in the light there, so we can see you clearly. Right now, now, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. This last question before we wrap up today's episode. Let's say that hypothetically, I'm sorry, this one comes in from Recyclops, longtime listener. I don't think he sent in a question while you were gone, and now he's back. I, I'm not sure exactly what the connection there it's is. On my burner. Either. Yeah, <laughs> Recyclops asks, let's say that hypothetically Victor Oladipo comes back healthy and plays decent. Would that be the best opportunity to move Tyler Hero to the starting lineup and allow Robinson and Depot to be your backup backcourt? Wes, I don't think that's the move. What do you think? What's the logic there? Is that if you because if you bring Depot off the bench, then now you have another playmaker available to, to exactly. create stuff for Duncan. Right. Um, I don't, I don't hate the idea, honestly. Uh, I just don't know that you can trust Victor Oladipo to stay healthy long enough for that to be your regular rotation thing. Um, I still think that Duncan Robinson makes the most sense in that starting lineup. And that Tyler Hero makes the most sense coming off the bench. There's no shame in it. I don't know what this obsession about getting Tyler Hero in the starting lineup is. The the, the fact of the matter is he's playing 30-plus minutes a night. He's one of the leading scorers in the NBA in the fourth quarter. He's getting all of those fourth quarter minutes. He's closing games. He's closing halves. That's the stuff that matters. I don't think Tyler at this point in his career cares about starting. I think down the road um, he's going to want to be a starter. But right mm-hmm. now, this season, let's not worry about that. Uh, he's he's the, he's next in line for Kyle Lowry's job, right? Like I, that's, that's how I think this whole thing plays out long term. But that's a future Miami Heat problem. Like let's – can we just have nice things? Can we just enjoy nice things for right now? You've got a yeah. you've got the sixth man of the year. Let him win that award, then figure it out. Yeah, not well said. I don't think that there's anything else to add to the conversation. Right now, he's playing his role perfectly. He's getting minutes as a starter sometimes in the fourth quarter sometimes. It's not a big deal. Like nobody cares. If you're if you're in the game eight or nine minutes later after the tip off. It's not that big a difference. He's still going to go up against starters. Sorry, Charles Barkley. He's still going to produce. He's still going to get a lot of opportunities. And he doesn't have to worry about sharing the ball necessarily as much when you have Kyle Lowry or Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo out on the floor at the same time. And he's sharing the floor with those guys anyway. And once Oladipo comes back, yes, he is more of a playmaker. But he's going to look to score too. And so you're going to have two guys that are kind of vying for the ball as well. I don't know that you necessarily want to pair Oladipo with Duncan, is he going to be able to flare it out and, and kick it out to an open Robinson from the wings? Who knows? At this point, you, you're, you'll figure it out. And it's a good problem to have, again, to echo what Spolster always says. You want these kinds of problems. You want this kind of depth. Right now, 
We're looking at a team that's finding ways of getting players to contribute here and there. Gabe Vincent had a big game. Max Struess had a really good game as he works his way back from that knee injury. Even Caleb Martin found a way to contribute on a two-way contract. This team looks a lot better, a lot deeper, and a lot more productive than a lot of people assumed they would be at the start of the season. And right now, they're doing a lot to win. Again, competing for one of the best records in the Eastern Conference. And they'll have a great opportunity to test their medal on Thursday night when they take on the Washington Wizards. Wes, any other lasting thoughts as they close you out and prepare to throw you out of FTX Arena? No, I think that's my sign that I need to get out of here. This is now the lights are back on, so... <laughs> Okay. Well, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure you subscribe to get the best coverage available. Make sure to also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B. This is like like in the middle like of the opera, like the intermission when the lights go on and off. <laughs>